What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Refocus Nutrition Podcast. I am your host, uh, Eric Elliott. I'm here this week. We're going to be interviewing and having on uh, one of my mentors from IM3 Nutrition, um, Chastity Snowden. Uh, Chastity is a former Masters athlete at the 2018 CrossFit Games. Um, and she's also a nutrition coach and a business coach within the industry, um, helping people like myself get in and figure out their own um, shit, for lack of a better word, uh, and go through what we need to go through in order to get uh, and help build our brand so that we can help as many people um, with nutrition and the knowledge that we have as possible, which was my goal initially getting into the industry. So before we do that, guys, I'd like to kind of rehash 19.4. I thought that it was an interesting workout this week, just given that we've never seen anything like this before. We've never seen anything from CrossFit, um, at least in the open, um, where it's an interval style workout where we're doing like three minutes of work or four or five or six or whatever it was, um, and it's a work with an actual three-minute break in between and then doing more work after that. So I thought that was really interesting that CrossFit threw a curveball like that. It's just one more uh, one more variation of constantly varied. I thought that that was awesome to see from them because, like, you know, constantly varied functional movement executed at high intensity, we, up until this point, have are have been pretty sure exactly what that is, but CrossFit managed to go outside the box just one more time to give us a really creative, fun experience. Um, I know inside of our gym, it was really, really fun to see um, some people get their first ever muscle-ups. There's a lot of emotion in the gym. Um, there was a video I shared on my Instagram of... Carissa, one of my clients, finishing her first ever bar muscle up and me basically losing my mind and uh, our other coaches as well, jumping for joy in the background uh, when Carissa got her muscle up. So good for her. And there's a lot of other people that were in the space too that um, got more more of their first or even their second thirds. Um, and then there's plenty of people that I don't know listening to this that got their first. So congratulations on that, guys. Um, as always, please leave me a rating and review so that we can help get more guests just like Chas on in the future. Um, but that's it for me, guys. Have a good rest of your week and enjoy the show with Chastity Snowden. Hi, guys, and we're back with another guest. This week we have Chastity Snowden. Uh, Chastity is a nutrition coach uh, and a former CrossFit Games athlete. She uh, has been to the Games once, right? And then three one times, time. yeah. one time, and then three times as a regional athlete as well. Um, were those regionals as individual or team? Because I know you definitely spent some time on team as well. Yeah, two were team and one was individual. Awesome. And one in her, her title, I guess, if you will, I'll let her talk about that. But she's also uh, working with IM3 uh, as Jason, with Jason Phillips. Um, and that's kind of how I came across her. Uh, she was my one of the um, mentors that worked in the program with me and kind of helping me sort through my own shit kind of thing um, and, <laughs> and kind of balance my own life. Uh, that was, for me, the biggest thing was balancing my life. Um, so that's kind of how I came across Chastity and I never, I have yet to meet her in person, but I'm sure someday I definitely will. So welcome to the show, Chastity. I'll try not to keep your uh, bio really, really long. <laughs> Thank you. I am glad to be here. Um, so let's get started with kind of just talking about you. You have a, a pretty crazy story. 
Um, like I've I've listened to you on a couple of different podcasts, and it's almost hard to like line up everything because like so much you have gone through. Um, it's not regular, like your story. And I guess it wouldn't be it wouldn't be worth having you on if your story was just you know twenty five did this thirty did this and then just kind of moved on. You have like a lot of interesting things. So let's start with how you got into fitness in general and how you kind of grew up in that industry um, to get into bodybuilding because I know that's where you started. Yeah. Um, I actually, it's funny that you say it that way. I actually had someone ask me just two days ago, how many lifetimes have you lived? <laughs> and I was like, well, just one, but I am 38. So I've had a lot of time. But I grew up with uh, my dad was a professional fighter um, and my mom was an aerobics instructor. So fitness was always a part of our life in our house. Um, But we also were incredibly um, obsessive about uh, fitness and weight and body image. Even at a young age, I was a gymnast. Um, So I was always into fitness, but then I got uh, incredibly sick with an autoimmune disease in my early twenties, they thought I had an autoimmune disease. And, um, then luckily I found, uh, fruits and vegetables in capsule form and started taking those. And it was just the one simple change that started changing my body. Um, and I went from being terribly overweight and sick in my early twenties to, uh, um, making the decision, starting to feel, uh, better to, I had always wanted to do a bikini competition or figure. Um, I ended up doing a bikini competition when I was 29. Actually, I did two um, and was tiny. Um, And then from there, I pretty much got sick of being in the gym with headphones in my ears and not talking to anybody. (laughs) Um, And someone asked me if I'd ever tried CrossFit. And I thought they were being rude. I thought they were saying my body image was wrong because of my mental capacity in that realm. Um, So I Googled CrossFit, looked up the place closest to me, and walked in the gym about five and a half years ago. And uh, then caught the bug and ended up at the games five years later. So (laughs) fitness journey has been interesting. (laughs) Yeah, let's let's break that down, starting with when you first got into bodybuilding. You said you always kind of wanted to do a show was that inclination there to begin with and talk to me a little bit about like did you get a coach at that time did you just try to internet guru yourself way through it how did you kind of educate yourself about going through uh, bodybuilding and going through the show yeah I um I have an exercise and health science degree so I've I was pretty educated and, you know, knew how to lift weights, but I was very eating disordered, um, at the time when, but as a child, I always had a shape magazine an oxygen magazine. I always was on the treadmill, even as a little kid, like looking through magazines. Um, and I always just wanted to be one of those girls that was on the magazine. Jamie Eason was just literally plastered in my locker. in high school, <laughs> So I knew I wanted, I thought the only way to get to that um, at the time was to do those shows. And I thought the only way to look like that was to do those shows. Um, I actually went to a camp with Monica, Monica Brandt was really popular back then. And I went to a camp and that she held and met Kim Odo and he became my coach. Um, so I've really been into coaching my whole life, obviously with a lot of sports, but then my first inclination of 
how do I do something? I immediately just knew I needed someone to teach me instead of me researching it. That's just the way I was. Um, so I did two shows with him and almost three, but I was a little, um, a head case. So he advised that I not do the third one, um, which was very good on his part to do that. So I stepped out of that world and started taking care of myself. So you mentioned you had a lot of influences as coaches early on. Was what did you learn? I guess because you said you have a, a background in in nutrition, a little bit in exercise science. What did you learn from that first initial coaching process that you've kind of carried forward today? Um, gosh, as a young child, I always was very close to all of my coaches with softball and um, basketball, and all through you know grammar school and even into high school my and then I also had a um, a weightlifting coach like for some reason whoever was coaching me I really related to those people and I connected with them to the point where I would go to them about more stuff than just the physical I always went to them about boyfriend problems and <laughs> things that were happening in my life look and it's funny that you asked that question I never realized it until right now but they growing up kind of formed what I now do as a coach because they were there for me more inside of all different areas instead of just being the type of coach that was like, go shoot basketball. You know, you need to get in the weight room more. These are the action steps inside of sports. They actually helped me along the way in all areas of my life. So I guess I carried that over into coaching and I didn't even realize it until right now because most of my coaching, even if it's in nutrition or business, it dives into all other areas of people's lives because every other area of their life usually is determining whether they are successful in business or in nutrition. 100%. Yeah, I think that like there's a lot to be said. I, I always talk about the idea that, you know, for nutrition, it's not about food for the most part. Like, if we have a Big Mac, no. if we have a Big Mac in one hand and chicken and broccoli in the other, most people on this earth can figure out which is the more nutritious, healthy option to choose. <laughs> yet we choose the Big Mac, right? So, yeah. how do you, how did you, I guess, over the years, start to sort through that shit in terms of what that other extracurricular stuff is? Because I think that's something I've noticed about you right away. Is you're not the coach that is going to hold my hand and say. Um, say what I want you to tell me, um, and, and say what, <laughs> and say what's very easy and just ask the very surface level questions. Like if, to be quite honest, if, if you're not willing to dig deep working with you, then I, they probably, whoever wants to work with you probably shouldn't work with you if they're not, if they're scared yeah. of the tough questions. That's very, very true. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I honestly, I've started calling it authentic coaching because what I feel like people need to do is be super honest and open with me and with themselves before they can move forward in any area of their life. Because usually they don't even know what they want until they get really honest with themselves and really authentic. And they basically have to look at all the crap in their life that's causing them to pick the Big Mac over the chicken and broccoli. Because there's usually a reason and they're sedating with food for some reason or they're sabotaging with food for some reason. And my goal is to get to that reason because that is the way and the gateway to where we can get them to where they want to go. And my coaches along the way, my CrossFit coach is one of my best friends and he has 
completely changed my life because he's not one of those coaches that only coaches me inside of CrossFit. He literally is a mindset coach. His dad was a psychology uh, professor. Like he dives deep, gives me books to read. Like he has broken me down and built me back up into a completely different human. And that's what I want to do with my clients. Like if you're not willing to be honest, you probably really shouldn't work with me because I'll call you on your stuff. (laughs) 100% true. One thing I, I think that I found interesting listening to you talking about honest and authentic coaching is kind of your background with being an honest client because I'm going to call you out on this a little bit. When you, <laughs> talked, you talked about when you were working with Jason on his podcast, the fact that you would try to lie to like your coaches when it came to CrossFit. So let's back up a little bit. We're going to get into that, but let's back up a little bit on how you got into the competitive side of CrossFit because that's what I want to dig a little bit deeper on. Um, when you first started, I think I heard you say on either Jason or Cody's podcast was that you, you basically walked up to your coach Kyle at the time and said like, I want to go to the CrossFit games. So take me, (laughs) take me from there because I'm sure you're not the only person that's ever walked up to their coach and said that. So yeah, take me to old chastity uh, at that point. Yeah, I walked into a CrossFit gym, April 7th, 2014. And it's funny that I know that they say that you basically are joining a cult. Well, I know my birthday, basically, which is kind of funny. Um, But it was such a pivotal moment in my life. I realized this was something that I could be very good at. I mean, granted, there was 50 pull-ups in the workout, and I thought they were crazy. I have never done 50 pull-ups in like two, three, four weeks. (laughs) Um, And I was doing jumping pull-ups. But about nine months into doing CrossFit and realizing I – was doing very well inside of my gym and beating most of the people and kind of wanting itching my way up to like using the guy's weight and trying to beat them. Um, and people were kind of pissed off about it, but I just loved it. Um, I kind of have a dark side where I'm just like, I want to annihilate people. And it gave me a place. I mean, my dad's a professional fighter. Maybe that's where it comes from. It gave me a place to like use that dark side and use it in a positive way. Um, but about nine months in, I did. I, I started with Kyle Ruth is my coach with Training Think Tank. And I told him, I was like, I want to be one of those people. I want to be on now instead of Oxygen Magazine. I wanted to be on Box Life Magazine or whatever it was. And I want to go to regionals. And then I want to make the games. And he didn't laugh, but he probably should have. But I can <laughs> tell you right now, since then, he's told me. I was like, this lady's crazy. I think I was 32 or no, 33 or so at the time. Um, and there's, he was like, she doesn't even, she barely snatches like 115 or I was snatching like 105 when I started with him. He was like, there's no possible way. Um, so yeah, I told him that he, and, and he even says now he was like, it, she just never stopped. I told her to do something and she didn't think. And he says his best athletes, and honestly, my best clients are the same. They're the ones that don't think. I mean, education does drive compliance, but I never looked to get educated inside of what he was telling me to do. I literally put my head down, and I did everything he told me to do to a T, as perfect as I could get it that day. Yeah, that's awesome. And, like, it takes a lot, obviously, to go to that level. Um, when you said that, like in terms of like, put your head down and think one of the, the first things that came to me was like the, the Will Smith quote, that's like being realistic is the most common road to mediocrity. Right. So like the idea that if you're just being realistic, like Kyle would have thought, Hey, like, you know, maybe you should just try to do a local comp or something like that. You didn't have that realistic 
goal set in mind. So you kind of pushed it and pushed the element to go further and further. So take me through 2014, uh, 2015. And when did you, I guess you, your first appearance at regionals was in 16. Is that right? 15, 15, 16. So yeah, 15 was my first. So take, yeah. So you made it like you made it to regionals and basically a little over a year of, of CrossFit, which yeah. is not something most people do. So how do you get that good that fast? Well, I think obviously I was genetically predisposed. I had done a lot of training before. I've got a background of every, just like my work. If you listed out everything I've done inside of a business aspect, I've done the same inside of sports. Um, I was the type of kid that would go from my softball tournament to a swim competition and then be on the diving team as well. Like I just did everything. And so CrossFit was perfect for me because I loved being in the weight room and I loved being, um, you know, a gymnast and doing all kinds of different things. So to go from walking in the gym and not knowing what I was doing, um, I just had so much body awareness that I think it made it a lot easier for me to advance faster. Mm -hmm. Also, I would quit jobs and start new jobs in order to make my goal happen. I moved from 2014, I was at CrossFit Deerfield Beach. I changed gyms so that I could do work on the side because they didn't let people do like different programming. So I went to the training uh, training pit. From there, I moved from Boca Raton to West Palm Beach to try to make a team. Ended up making that team. Um, and then, I, you know, past that, I've moved to Georgia to go to the CrossFit Games. So I'm, I think it's just I got there in – fast because of my background, but also because I just didn't have, there was no question I was going to make it happen. However I could. Yeah. I think the thing that you're talking about is like, you, you will do whatever it takes to get to that point. Right. And I think that that, you know, that's a, a great thing to have, but it's also a double-edged sword, right? Cause it can lead you down a pretty dark rabbit hole um, <laughs> yeah. when it comes to recovery and everything else. Right. Because if you're going to do whatever it takes, it means you're, you're playing and you're fighting on a really, really small, fine line um, that can yeah. go a little bit south if, if you're not careful. So how did that go south? Because I know, I know your story a little bit as well, but I want you to kind of yeah, take us through how you know uh, when it first started to go a little bit south, when things, I think you, told, you were telling Kyle at the time that things just didn't feel right, like something didn't feel the way it should. So let's go through that. Yeah, so... I felt fine doing CrossFit for the first about two and a half years and going into my third year, I felt a little weird. Um, I just noticed, um, I think it was 2017. I noticed that something was wrong. Um, I was trying to do the, I remember the first open workout. I literally spent 30 minutes after the workout crying, um, and was in so much pain. I could not hardly move. Um, and then we had to do it again. Um, which sucked. But um, what happened was I was not only did I not stop. So most people periodize and they take their training volume back. They, you know, add calories and things like that. Well, I listened to my coach, but then I would do extra stuff. I also was eating disordered throughout the whole thing. So I've been fighting an eating disorder since I was like 13, 14. Um, and didn't stop most of my tendencies till about 
2015, 2016. So like, I still have all this damage that I've done to my body. And now I'm going in and I'm working out to the point where I'm literally laying on the floor hurting. And I just think I was running my body into the ground all the time to the point where it was like, Hey, what's going on. And after that season, I completely tanked. I couldn't get on a bike and ride for 10 minutes without almost wanting to cry. So I took off for four months and did not do anything and basically went into deep adrenal fatigue or HPA axis dysfunction, whatever you want to call it. Um, basically I ran my body into the ground and the eating disorders didn't help. Um, and the fact that I had to keep eating to recover, I kept gaining weight. And, um, so four months of just, um, my coach coached me through that. I was allowed to, um, if I woke up on a scale of one to 10 and I felt a 10, then I was allowed to, um, go and do a bike ride, but I had to keep my heart rate like below 140 or 50, I think. And then if that went okay, I could go do a little bit of functional bodybuilding. But for the most part, I slept and watched Netflix for a while. <laughs> and uh, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of good things to watch on Netflix. But at the same <laughs> right? time, um, it gets old. And when you talk about it, as you said before, you kind of have done it all throughout your entire life. Like you went from one thing to the next thing and went all in on everything that you do, right? How hard is it to sit in four months and basically be on like detention and can't do anything and can't do the things you love to do? Honestly, like, and even just thinking about it, it makes me emotional. It was the hardest thing I've probably ever had to do. Like I use, especially having eating disordered past, like I use exercise for that release to help my brain chemistry be normal and mm -hmm. not feel like I'm going to bash my head against the wall. Um, cause I have a lot of energy and I want to like go do things and to not feel good enough to get out of bed. And also in my past, um, in my twenties from the eating disorders, from the autoimmune disease, I was, um, I took medication for, um, like anxiety and depression and I had panic attacks and I had fought those and got rid of most of that and gotten off all the medication and everything. And so to be quarantined and not be able to get out of bed basically felt like I needed to be on medication again. And it scared me. Um, it was, it was hard. So I know you mentioned that you've battled with a lot of body dysmorphia over the years. Take me through that period too, because I know for me, that's something that Jason tried to get me to do last year was take more time off to give me the recovery I needed. And the hardest thing about that is not even physically. Physically, it's fine. But mentally, you're wrestling that demon of, you know, I'm going to put on weight. I'm not fit enough anymore. And then you're constantly juggling that. Those like You could look through your phone. You look at these old pictures of yourself and you're saying, what am I doing laying in bed or recovering or resting? It's so hard to do that. So how do you get through that mentally? You just keep waking up. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, body dysmorphia is probably one of the um, most difficult diseases. I mean, like I've had panic attacks. I've had Crohn's or they thought I had Crohn's. Um, I've had a lot of different things like just hold me back and fight through them. But body dysmorphia is the most frustrating thing because literally no one understands it. Like the people around you, they're like, you look fine. And you're like, you don't see what I see and you don't feel what I feel. Um, and you feel trapped inside your skin. And 
to go through a period of time and not be able to work out and know that the the only way that I was ever going to be able to potentially work out again was to eat a lot of food and recover from this. The last thing I wanted to do was eat a bunch of food. I wanted to sleep and cry and then try to lose weight. (laughs) And (laughs) it was impossible. Like, but, um, to be honest, the, the only way I can say that I got out of just not going into a deep pit was filling my brain and feeding my mind with good things. So I'm very big on constantly like podcasts or good people. Um, I'm involved in different um, mentorships with people. I, anybody in my life that's negative or that somehow makes my emotions go toward that, that way I cut them out. And in during that time, that's what I had to do because if somebody, it was literally like if somebody agreed with me or if somebody kind of pushed me at that time, the only thing they would have done is push me underwater and I would have drowned. Um, so I just had to literally get rid of everything bad in my life. Luckily I was living in Florida, which was great. So I could be in the sunshine, which was awesome. Um, (laughs) but yeah, it was, it was tough. And body dysmorphia sucks because it doesn't matter. I've been, you know, 175 pounds overweight, sick, feel like crap. And then to go to 103 pounds competing on a bikini stage. And then now I weigh 150 and I've had the exact same feelings in all of those weights with all of those body types. That's so interesting. And it's so interesting that you've like, most people have obviously gone through different weights in their lives. Um, but one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was the idea from a coach's perspective of how you define yourself, um, both as an athlete, but as a person, because one thing I was talking to a client actually earlier was about was, you know, if they ever asked you, you know, if they asked me who chastity is, I'm never going to say chastity is 150 pounds. That's not how I describe you. Right. But that's, there's so many times when we ourselves describe ourselves based on how much we weigh we're not at a doctor's office so why do we do that first off and second how do we get out of that so that we find someone we find a way to define ourselves regardless of what the scale says yeah i mean the the way to get out of it is to either not weigh yourself (laughs) or honestly to change your perspective on it because every single thing that you think is a choice And once you realize that no matter what happens, emotions are going to come up, but 20 minutes later, depending on how long it takes, you have to wait and not act on that emotion. And you can cognitively like reframe it and figure out what you want to think it, then you can do anything with your life. And figuring that out has really helped me. Um, so even though I may have the emotion of body dysmorphia and be like, this is uncomfortable or whatever's going on, or I hate that weight and that's the weight that I am. And then I think it's my self-worth that emotion and that feeling may come up less now, but if you wait and do some kind of habit interrupt, I'm big on that. Um, where it's like, it comes up, put a podcast in, read an affirmation, like have your go-tos, call a friend, use a Marco Polo to get that mess out of your head and then have somebody springboard back like a normal thought. Um, you can retrain your brain to think the right things and think what you want it to think. 
Yeah, one hundred percent. And I like I like what you called it that little habit breakup because like there's so many times, even like negative thinking or complaining or things like that. There's you you catch yourself going down this rabbit hole and all of a sudden you know it's seven o'clock at night and you've been whining for the last four hours to your partner or something <laughs> like that and it's very easy to just you know negative feeds negative and keep going but you're you're right those little habit breakups are awesome in terms of stopping yourself and going into it. Um, one thing I wanted to talk to you a little bit too much or a little bit about as well was reverse dieting and knowing biofeedback wise uh, where you're at because I know. With Jason and through NCI, that's the biggest things they focus on is, you know, how you're feeling biofeedback-wise to notice how nutrition is working because his, his idea is that the physical always follows the physiological. So how do you know, what are some of the, like the take-home signs for some crossfitters who might be listening to this that training is going too hard or they need more food for their training, et cetera, et cetera, so that they can do CrossFit, stay in it, but do it in a really intelligent way that they're not killing themselves? biggest um, sign for not recovering is if they can't sleep. That's one of the biggest, I mean, immediately, if they're struggling to get to sleep, struggling to stay asleep, and then they're tired and, you know, they're like tired and wired at night. And in the morning they need a vat of coffee just to like get them moving. And then they start taking more caffeine, more caffeine. Like I monitor that big time with my CrossFit um, competitive people or even just my CrossFit people, because sometimes they just go too hard too often. Um, but that's the, that's the first telltale sign. And I usually give them, you know, a couple of options because I know mentally it's hard to stop and slow down. We'll either add more food, see if it helps, or we literally take off for like a week and make them recover first before they start back into it. Um, it's just, that's honestly the biofeedback wise, that's the biggest one. Yeah. The other thing is too, like their hunger can go away. Um, I've noticed that like they just might not be hungry at all. And then they, they're struggling to get their food in. So sometimes I can give them a refeed, like a big one. Then they all of a sudden they start sleeping, they recover. And it's just that they didn't have enough food and were going too hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's like, you see that a ton. Um, one of the things I think that you've gotten better at, and we can kind of go into it a little bit as well, um, you're done at the games level, right? You're done competing in CrossFit? Supposedly. <laughs> this year I'm not competing. Let's okay. see what happens. As far as I know right now, yes, I'm building business, changing people's lives, and I'm trying to change my body composition right now. Awesome. And that's one thing I like about that is that you're, you're building a recovery period. So let's talk a little bit about the importance of doing less at certain points of our lives. Cause we all, we often get in this rat race where we think of, you know, it's just, you turn on social media, you look at Instagram, you see your buddy or you see some professional athlete doing some crazy workout and then off you go, you're doing a two a day, a three a day, or you're just doing more than you should be. But there's a lot to be said about doing less better so that you can get the results that you're actually trying to achieve. I uh, completely agree with that statement. And two years ago, even a year ago, maybe six months ago, I would have said, nope. For everybody <laughs> else, yes, and for my clients, but for me, no, I'm doing two days every single day. And yeah, so it's, but it's cool that I understand they're crazy. <laughs> and so I can coach them a lot better. But yes, there is 
there's a necessity for a period of time where you do less. It's good to periodize the whole year and have time where you take off and vacation. I mean, even the best in the world vacations, he like goes to the games and then he's like, peace out. I'm done for a month and he doesn't do anything or he like goes for walks. Like you have to recover from the craziness. Also inside of a recovery period, you need time to not only just recover and be less intense in the gym. You also need to take a really hard look at all the stressors in your life. I mean, I got a dog just recently and it's been the most wonderful, relaxing thing because I realized I was like, let's fill the entire day with as many work things as possible. And he's made me, he's like the habit interrupt that makes me go, no, go outside for a walk, (laughs) go outside for another walk. You're 10 weeks old. So you have to pee every hour, but (laughs) You don't need to just take time off inside the gym. You need to look at all those things in your life that cause stress because just because you take time off and you aren't going hard in the gym, usually if you're a person like me and if you do CrossFit, you're probably that kind of type A person. You'll fill your entire schedule up with work or something and now you're stressing just as much and then you're not sleeping. And so you need to make sure that it's recovery in all areas of life during that downtime. 100%. And I think you're right when you talk about those. You, the, there's a certain type of person that's atta- attracted to CrossFit, and it is that type A person. So as a coach, how do you handle, and I, I, I know the answer, but how do, you, how do you handle the response that, you know, CrossFit or working out is my stress-free or my way to get rid of stress? How do you handle that response? Because as you know, CrossFit or any other workout is it's a stressor. It's an imposed stressor. So how do we handle that? And then I'm like, all right, what happens when CrossFit, you can't do it anymore. What happens? You're just going to stress out. What happens when you have no other mechanism? There's not a weight room. You're just going to implode. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's, you need to have an arsenal of ways to take care of yourself So not saying that CrossFit can't be that release and that wonderful thing that you enjoy and that release. Why can't we find more? Let's add more things to your life instead of taking things away. So give me some time. Let's go hiking. Let's find something else. I don't care to Zumba. Let's, you know, let's find other things that bring on, like can like lower your stress that aren't stressful. So, you know, some people don't like yoga. Yoga stresses me out. I understand. Like, I'm that person in the back of the room that the yoga instructor calls out. She's like, (laughs) type A in the back, settle down. And I'm wanting to, like, do flow and run through everything. And I'm like, why why do we have to lay here? But halfway through it, I realized that, okay, finally, my nervous system is calming down. And a lot of times what I have to do for them is, give them other things. And the only reason I know these things is because Kyle did them for me. And I do things like cold showers, which drives your body into the parasympathetic long, slow heart rate, um, like for 45 minutes to an hour and a half of cardio. Now they're in the gym still, but their heart rate's controlled and they, it literally drives your body into the parasympathetic. It's awesome. Um, so I do all kinds of stuff like that to add things in and to give them an arsenal of ways to take care of themselves. Absolutely. I think those are like two really good takeaways. Talk to me about the cold showers one, because that's one I've heard, you know, things on both sides, but I think that they 
play a lot of important roles. How long is the cold shower and how have you done it yourself? I literally would finish an open workout when I was living in Georgia um, because I was still kind of dipping into um, like Kyle had to control everything and I was dipping into um, being a little fatigued um, this past year when I went to the games. And um, so I would finish an open workout and he would be like, okay, feet up. Like I was on the ground. He would put my feet up and be like, you have to breathe for 10 minutes. Do not move. And as soon as I was done with that and my body was calmed down, I would get into a shower immediately. And I had to run ice cold water into my face, onto my forehead until I stopped breathing heavy. So, cause as soon as cold water hits you, you're like, <gasps> So yep. I had to just stand there until, and you'll feel it as all of a sudden your body just relaxes and you can stand there with the cold water on your face and then you stay there for a couple more minutes. And then I would do a contrast for, you know, 60 seconds a piece, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, hot. And, um, I, I would feel amazing. And then after that, I had to take a 30 minute nap, but that was how I got through the open last year. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Um, so how did how did you go through the open and into like would have been regionals last year, but the qualifier and then to the games? Like, because I know you you talked about it on Jason's podcast. You weren't actually planning on going to the games, and then you ended up going. So take me through that. Yeah. So I did the open. I finished pretty well. The qualifier did not go as well as we wanted. And, um, I mean, I did the best I could, but I just finished, I think I finished 22nd or yeah, 22nd. And then it turned out, um, two girls decided not to go. So I got moved up to 20th. Um, and I was in, um, where was I? California, I think. And we were at a conference and I was sitting in the back of the room working and I got an email from CrossFit that was like, um, you are invited to the CrossFit games. And I literally ran out of the room and just <laughs> fell on the ground crying. And I called my coach and I was like, oh my God, I'm in. And I couldn't hardly talk. And he goes, what? And I just like screenshot it, sent it to him. And he was like, no way. And the crazy thing was, is we had completely changed my training. I wasn't working out at all. And I had flipped everything because my glucose was so high and I was so in the red on everything. I was not doing very well. Um, that we had my fats like really, really high and we were trying to fix my hormone profile. So I had to go into games training and like not be eating very many carbs. I mean, at the games, I think I was eating like 250 carbs, 300, something like, but I had been eating like 350 for a long time. And so like I had to build, we didn't want to like flip it that fast. So, um, yeah, it was, it was crazy to get that message and not be ready for it and, uh, then have to go. I was scared to death to be honest, because <laughs> I was like, I'm going to get there and they're going to annihilate me. But I actually held my own. I did pretty good. That's awesome. Um, so one of the last kind of parts I wanted to talk about was the, the art of coaching, um, to start off with, why is it an art? Why is coaching such an art? Because like, I think that's something that, you, I think you found your calling in coaching. Like you're really good at sifting through the shit to figure out why someone does the, something and how to improve upon that. So why is coaching such an art? I think that in order to be a really good coach, you have to have gone through a lot of shit. 
because every single person that you come in contact with has gone through a lot and you have to be able to hear what they're saying, but then hear what they're actually saying, because what they tell you a lot of times is not what is actually going on. And if you've been where they are, you'll be empathetic enough to know what they're actually saying and then call them on it. And the reason is it's an art, I think, is because it's more of a dance. It's a push and a pull. I can't push certain people the way I push other people. I can't give the same advice to even two people. Every single person is different. They're all individually crazy and have their own knowledge that we have to basically offload and let them put down in order to get them where they need to go. So it's completely a dance. It's art. It's, I mean, the human brain is amazing anyway, but to figure out how to get people out of their own way in order for them to move forward toward what they want and then even to help them figure out what they want because they don't think they deserve what they want. It's it's hard and it's something that's hard to describe. And I always tell people, I mean, basically inside of what I do, it's like authentic coaching and you have to figure out who you are and then we have to figure out what you actually want and then it's my job to make you move. Yeah, that's like that's really eloquently put. Um, so one of the things I think that you you've talked about it as well, and I obviously totally agree on, is coaches having coaches. Tell me why that's important. I think you you mentioned you've been into a, a bunch of different mentorship groups yourself, as well as running one. Why is it important for you to have a coach? Because like you have your shit together, like you you know your stuff but yet you keep trying to improve that and get people to still dig through you. So why is that important? Yeah, I honestly, I think every person on the face of the planet, if you want to achieve anything or become better, you need a coach. And I believe so much in coaching that I have a ton of coaches. I have a CrossFit coach. I've had a nutrition coach, but now Kyle is actually taking care of my nutrition. Um, and I've had brain coaches. I have a business coach. Um, and the funny thing is, is I could probably do all of those for myself, but just like I'm looking at somebody and I can see all of their baggage and I can help them lay it on the ground in order to get it out of their way so they can go where they want to go. I can't do that for myself. I have a ton of baggage. I've been through a lot of stuff and I need somebody else to look at me and push me to make me put it down to go where I want to go. And in my opinion, iron sharpens iron at all times. Like if I don't have somebody that's what I consider better than me pushing me forward, then I'm never going to be better in order to push my people forward. So I just think that it's every single day that my coach pushes me and he makes me better and refines me. I always think of it as like I'm a diamond and like I'm like he's like cutting me all the time to make me shinier and prettier and like this perfect specimen. But if I don't have somebody pushing and the pressure, then I'm never going to be able to be resilient and beautiful and helpful for my clients. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Like there's so much to be said about like, you know, you're right. Like I, I am a nutrition coach myself, so I understand how to create, you know, a nutritional protocol for me. But what, 
I, I honestly, like, I honestly won't be honest with myself and call me out on the times no. when, I, when I need to do the right things or do certain things. Same with, like, even when it comes to, like, the business aspect of it, when you and Jason were coaching me, there's so much stuff that I, I know, I know is the right thing, but it takes someone else to kind of say, hey, man, do your fucking shit, make sure you do this. Right. And, like, check in with me a week from now, and I, you better have this done. Yeah, the smartest person in the room still needs accountability. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree yeah. more. So the last question I had for you and I asked kind of all of the guests have, who have come on in the past is there's generally one thing or many things, depending on who you are, um, that kind of irks you with the industry that you want things refocused on. So like whenever I get, you know, a little bit challenged or I'm just burnt out from staying uh, and working and all those kinds of things. I always think back to, or I just, you know, I will just pull up an Instagram and wait for someone to post something that's incredibly stupid um, and is pushing a lot of fear mongering within the nutri- nutrition industry, and that lights my fire. So that's one thing where I'm like, it always calls me to refocus and help people refocus on their nutrition. What is it with you that you'd want someone or want people to learn from you to refocus on themselves or within the actual? Uh, fitness and nutrition industry so that they can improve their lives? I think that the idea that things are right or wrong, like it's just not cool. Um, and every single person I speak with, and obviously I say it some too, but every single person I coach, everything they do inside of their life around nutrition or even business or their relationship, it's all right or wrong. And if I could help people realize that it's not right or wrong, because when you say something's wrong and I'm doing something wrong and this was wrong, it makes you feel like your self-worth is lower and that you purposefully are like doing things that are bad. But realistically, it's just that it's either working or it's not working. Keto is right for some people. Paleo is right for other people. Keto is bad for some people, you know, Weight Watchers is amazing for some and it's not right for others. And it depends on where you are in your life. I mean, I'm doing a completely different protocol right now for my goal than I was when I was trying to make the gains than I was when I was trying to get on stage as a bikini competitor and that I was when I was fat, sick and just hated my life. Every single part of your life, it's just find out if it's working and not working instead of is it, is it right or is it wrong? And I think if we stop bullying each other, because I feel the same way about the fear mongering. They're like, that's wrong. That's right. Like we all are just trying to move in a forward direction. And if it's right for somebody else, let it be right for them and encourage them if they're getting results inside of that space. And if it's not, then share with them what's working for you. And that's my big, huge pet peeve is the right or wrong. I just think, is it working or is it not working? And if it's working, keep going. If it's not, find a coach because they'll help you out. <laughs> yeah. Like I totally, I couldn't agree more. I think, I think your, your response in that is like to a T what I would say. Um, someone asked me at dinner about a month ago, what the, I think the biggest problem is with nutrition. And I, I said, I thought one of the biggest issues was definitely the idea that there's quote-unquote good and bad food. I hate when someone puts that moral label on a food. There are less nutritious options, but every time you right. say every time you say something is bad, you're attributing a moral opinion to that 
food so that you feel that way when you eat it. Like pop tarts are not exactly. a are not a nutritious decision, but they're not no. they don't make you a bad person for eating them. Like no one who's sitting there at McDonald's is a bad person just because they're eating McDonald's. No, they're not a bad person. I just feel bad for their gut. One hundred percent on that one. Not yeah. working to get them where they want to go. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, yeah, I can agree on that. There's no doubt about that. So that's everything I have, Chas. Uh, I appreciate you so much for coming on, and I appreciate you for everything that you've helped me do as a as a coach as well uh, through coaching me. But for now, help me uh, help everyone else be able to find you if they want to reach out to you or just basically follow your content because you got a lot of good content, especially as your Instagram stories and your new puppy. Um, where do people find you to to see more about you? Well, um, if, if you don't follow me, once you do, you'll realize I'm everywhere all the time. Um, <laughs> right now, I am doing my best to give back to the community what people have given to me as much as possible. So um, Instagram, it's Chastity Snowden. C-H-A-S-I-T-Y, Snowden, underscore I-N-3. And then I also have, obviously, an IGTV. I'm on Twitter with Chastity Snowden. I'm on Facebook. Um, my Facebook um, like fan page or um, my nutrition coaching page is just Chas Snowden Nutrition Coach. And then I also have a fearlessly authentic coaching group inside of Facebook. If people want to join that, I throw a lot of good information in there and videos. Um, and then a YouTube is coming soon. So <laughs> Awesome. Big news. Lots of places to find you. Yeah, there's a lot of it. I'm trying to give back. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, we appreciate it so much, Chess, and I hope to have you on again sometime in the future. I would love that. Thank you so much. All right. That's it for another episode, guys. Thanks so much to Chas again, and we'll keep moving on and hopefully have another great guest next week. But talk to you guys for now.